Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. What's up, everybody? Welcome back inside the horseshoe for the Monday after Ohio State 54, Iowa 10. That's the 40 year vet, Tim May. I'm Spencer Holbrook. Tim, right on this turf behind us, Ohio State had the oddest 44 point win you'll ever see yeah. uh, on Saturday afternoon uh, here in the horseshoe. Let, let's, let's break that down now that we've gotten to, I don't know, dissect the stats a little more, rewatch the game if you did. Uh, yeah, just general thoughts after after a couple days removed from Ohio State 54, Iowa 10. Yeah, I, to be honest with you, I didn't think it was that odd of a win. Number one, they scored every time they got in the red zone with field goals, uh, mainly in the first half, Noah Ruggles. Uh, he still got it. You know? <laughs> he still got uh, it. Sometimes you need to, you know, whatever that could pay off down the road, uh, him having to start, go out there and deliver uh, field goals from all kinds of different angles and, uh, and distances. I mean, I think when you have what what was the lead at halftime? 26-10, whatever the lead was at halftime. I think that's a yeah, it's 26-10. Yep. I think that's a pretty damn good half. Especially when you consider the team they were playing came in with one of the top defenses in the country. And uh Ohio State got the job done against them from the standpoint of at least scoring every time they, they had the ball when they had, when they were in the red zone, et cetera. So I don't see that as a drop off at all. Uh, you, everything is based on who you're playing and how good that team is. And then defensively, uh, Ohio State just took a stranglehold on that team and didn't let up except for maybe one drive where Iowa got a, got a field goal there in the first half. Uh, Iowa's uh, only touchdown was via C.J. Stroud, a, a little little twist action uh, by Iowa's defensive line. And uh, suddenly uh, you've got Donovan Jackson and 
and uh, Paris Johnson Jr. blocking the same guy, and the guy loops in and and hits uh, yeah. CJ, and CJ was almost shocked by it because the ball popped out, and that guy scooped and scored the Evans kid. Um, I, you know, the defense was better against Iowa than I think anybody else has been this year. Yeah, <laughs> they dropped their, uh, uh, they they held them what uh, fifty or sixty yards under what they've been averaging, and at the same time. The Ohio State defense is now number two in the country in total defense. And Ohio State offense, based on only gaining 300-something yards, of course, a lot of the reasons that's because they had a short field because of the six turnovers generated by the defense, uh, drops to like fifth, I think, in total offense. So Ryan Day has gotten exactly what he wanted by hiring Jim Knowles to get this defense into the top five. Jim Knowles, of course, wants to be number one. And then offensively, C.J. Stroud had a so-so first half, obviously. Second half, he had a Heisman, like 10 minutes. A Heisman-esque 10 minutes. It just, you leave there going, wow, this guy. Man, when they get it going, they start pulling the right plays out of the hat. This guy is very good. So. That's a bulletin, by the way. The reason I call it, yeah, there was a lot there. The reason that I call it. I meant the part about C.J. being very good. (laughs) But there was a lot there in in a, I guess, a you just kind of debrief the whole thing, and that will break down different parts of it. I didn't know if you whether wanted me that that or not, so I just kind of debriefed. However you'd like to do it. You're the 40-year vet, Tim. Uh, So I call it odd because you see 26 on the scoreboard, and you think that Ohio State's operating pretty much standard practice with, you know, against a good defense, a good Iowa defense. But then you realize there's only one offensive touchdown, uh, four field goals, but all of them came on – Five player fewer drives that didn't go ten more or yard ten or more yards yeah. didn't pick up many first downs there, yeah. and you had to kick field goals, and that is stalling out despite getting a field goal because you got the ball in good field position and didn't move the ball, didn't exploit it, and so you know I you don't beggars can't be choosers. Ohio State needed points against a good defense, and you get three four different times, but you talk about you know even three touchdowns in a field goal or even two touchdowns in a field goal and you're looking at a you know a 41 to 10 halftime lead right oh, no but i mean that's you know, being almost greedy i mean i mean they you know, they got down there in the red zone and boom Mayan williams off left left end touchdown i mean you know what i mean uh, they didn't stall out every time uh number 2 you're getting points no matter how you're accumulating you're getting points against the defense that's not giving up very many points all year that's the reason why iowa even had a shot was going to be its defense in that game, we all we all know that. I'm not yelling at you, but I mean, you get two touchdowns and four field goals. That's a still a pretty good, pretty good. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, I mean, they scored. They were one point short of scoring as many points against Iowa in the first half as as Michigan scored on Iowa all day. Well, I I guess I'm grading on the curve then because you know from yeah, what I've. From what I've heard from Ryan Day is that he wants to score touchdowns every time he gets the ball. Well, of course, but inside, that doesn't always happen. Inside the 35. And yeah. so, you know, even if you're 50% on those, you score two more touchdowns instead of field goals, you're looking at a way different game altogether because, you know, how much does C.J. Stroud even really need to play in the second half at that point? So I just – it was a little clunky there in the first half, I guess is a better word to say yeah. than odd. Um, yeah, Ohio State right. definitely has some things now to draw on, especially in that run game, which – Every time you think the run game is fixed, Tim, you you see a good defense sort of stifle this running game, and then you wonder, okay, what what's what's the deal here? I I'm gonna give credit to Iowa's defense on this on this because Iowa does know how to stop the run. I think Iowa sold out to stop the run, knowing that it couldn't guard the receivers regardless. Uh, Oh yeah, and so 
you, you kind of take the like good. Iowa played his defense. Yeah, but you take the good with the bad. Iowa stopped the run. And now you go, you know, I'm not going to, I'm just going to chalk it up as maybe a one-game sample size there for the running game because Penn State's run defense is terrible. And Michigan was able to do whatever it wanted on the ground against Penn Correct. State. If Ohio State struggles to run the ball against Penn State, then we'll talk about issues. But I'm going to kind of give it a pass here just because this is what Iowa does. This is Iowa's bread and butter. This is Iowa's, uh, you know, corn, I guess, is <laughs> is to stop the run. And the so, maybe, yeah, maybe you give them a little bit of a pass there. But this offense, yeah, just, just some weird moments, some oddities. Uh, C.J. Stroud a little sloppy is not the right word, but uh, – Maybe maybe the attention to detail or or some reads were thrown off a little bit, uh, but but once they got it corrected, Tim, you saw the Ohio State offense be the Ohio State offense. Yeah, well, what bothered me in the first half, if you want to get into things that bother, yeah, I mean, what I, I always take things like you said with a grain of salt based on who you're playing, how that team is playing you. You saw Iowa getting penetration uh, through that Ohio State offensive line quite a bit on Saturday. Saw a lot of white shirts in the backfield. Uh, C.J. Stroud was having to deal with that to a certain extent. Uh, and then there were several plays in the first half, two in particular stand out in my mind, where there was a guy wide open on one side of the field, but uh, C.J. went ahead and threw to the primary, uh, the primary read on a couple of plays. Uh, Ohio State was almost pulling, and they missed those opportunities. Ohio State was almost, it seemed like Ryan Day and his staff were almost pulling plays out of a hat to a certain extent just to see what would work instead of like sticking with something. Yeah. Uh, that's maybe what bothered me. I mean, I think I think this offense is so is so great when CJ is, is back there perusing the field and throwing to the open guy. And there were a couple of opportunities to really blow it open in that first half, which they didn't take advantage of. But man, I'm not gonna sit here like I told people, uh, some guy on Twitter was talking about how great Michigan looked against uh, uh, Iowa, and that this is a bad look for Ohio State. He's basically basically basing it on how Michigan ran the football against Iowa for the most part, because that's what Michigan does. And I reminded him that of what the score was at halftime in both of those games: Michigan thirteen, Iowa nothing; Ohio State twenty-six, Iowa ten. Yeah. All right. Ohio State has it. My, my point is it's a four-quarter game. And this Ohio State offense, as I wrote about it at LettermanRow.com, is they've got something on that play sheet that's going to pop. They just got. They just have to find it from one game to the next. And I'm not going to nitpick a whole bunch about a 54-10 to 10 victory over a team that hung its hat on defense. And Ohio State, of course, as – when I asked Ryan Day that question, he goes, well, seven came from the offense. I go, okay, so 47 yeah. <laughs> against, a, against a defense that good. And that's a good defense, maybe great defense. Uh, they just have to play too long every yeah. game because – and, man, please don't go into your diatribe but just rip it on Iowa's offense again. Oh, I'm done there. Because I'm done we all that. know it stinks. <laughs> I mean, I'm it's done. crazy, isn't it? I'm finished with it's that. It's crazy how bad Iowa's uh, – offense was and then Ohio State made it look even worse. Okay? Yeah. So those that's that's the takeaways I have from this game that Ohio State is still that one of those few offenses out there in the country that if you take this away, they can beat you doing this. And there aren't a lot of them out there. Tennessee's probably that way. Uh, but then past that, I mean but it's really funny how 
Ohio State ends up coming out of this game number two in the country in total defense. I'm just looking at the total package through seven games. I, I think this defense more and more looks quite impressive. Yeah, the advanced numbers agree with you, Tim. Uh, a lot of them are starting to show Ohio State continue to trend up, upward uh, toward that top 10, top five region of the country as far as defense goes. And that's not just, you know, the total defense, total yards. Obviously, Iowa wasn't going to gain a lot of yards regardless. Uh, but, you know, the, the numbers all are starting to line up for this defense. One last thing on the offense before we move on here on the Monday after uh, Ohio State 54, Iowa 10, is that C.J. Stroud said something that really stuck out to me after the game, and I, I don't know if, if he really meant to or if I'm just reading too much into it or if I have the right read here. He said that it's hard to get into the rhythm when you have the short fields. Yeah. They, they like to start well, out they said that with too. the long fields. When Ohio State had a long field to go in the second half, it outscored Iowa 28-0. Or and you, or you remember the Michigan State game? I mean, they had, what, two drives over 90 yards in that game? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it struck me too. Go ahead. I mean, I, I just want to let you know I was also a little bit struck by what? So it's weird because you think like, okay, you give this offense a short field, you only give them 35 yards. They come up with four field goals, and you're thinking, okay, what's wrong with this offense? Well, Maybe it's just the idea that they didn't have tr to get, be able to truly get into a rhythm because your play sheet in the Iowa 35, which I consider the 35 for Ohio State kind of like the red zone because yeah. if they're inside the 35, they're scoring. Whether it's a field goal or a touchdown, Noah Ruggles is pretty good, and Ohio State scores a lot of touchdowns. The 30-35 is basically Ohio State's version of the red zone. When you get down there, your play sheet shrinks quite a bit. And what, everything you wanted to establish on that drive gets condensed down into, okay, what do we do once we get there? And for Ohio State to, to have four drives there in the second half where they went, marched down the field pretty quickly. Obviously, one of them was the Julian Fleming 79-yard uh, missile that C.J. Stroud threw. Longest play of the year for Ohio One State. of C.J. Stroud's best throws, I think, that I've seen because we, have, we don't truly see him uncork one very often. And so to just see him let loose and throw one down the field was nice to see from him. Uh, and I think you'll see that a little bit more as we get into this Big Ten. You know, the Ohio State gets into this Big Ten slate, uh, the November portion, uh, because that's in the arsenal with Julian Fleming. Anyway, yeah. that's a little bit of an off topic. But no, you're, but no, you're right about the short field comment. I mean, it, it kind of struck me sideways, too. Only, I mean, you understand what they're saying, but okay, well, run these plays then. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, it, there's no, you know, you, 35-yard line, you can still throw a post cut, you know? I mean, you can still throw a, 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 a you know, a, a zig route, as I call it, an in and out. I mean, you can throw, I mean, there are all kinds of things available to you besides just lining up and running the ball. And they did run into us to a, basically a stone wall to a certain extent running the ball. And I, I pointed this out uh, to people, matter of fact, on Channel 10 last night. I said, the thing about Iowa, the reason it's such a good defense is it is so sound Yes. against the run. I mean, they ran a play. Ohio State ran a play in that in that first half where the where the offensive line just folded over that defensive front for one of the few times. And I think it was Travion Henderson hit up in here and it cut to the right, thinking it was going to be wide open spaces. Uh, uh there was a Hawkeye exactly where he's supposed to be on that play, standing right in front of him, makes the tackle for like a one yard or two yard gain, and that's. You know, you didn't see that from Michigan State a lot. You no, know what I mean? No. Uh, you didn't see that from uh, a, a lot of previous opponents, Rutgers, et cetera. But that's why Iowa is so good on defense is it's mm -hmm. so disciplined. But then when you just kind of make it a man-to-man -man matchup, like Ohio State did with that passing attack in that second half, especially after uh, 
CJ hit Emekag Buka for that uh, that little seam route. Basically dropped in behind the linebacker in front of the safety and great pass. I mean, uh, CJ had like five straight just great passes in my opinion. The touchdown pass to Marvin Harrison Jr. right over here. Oh, he yeah. rolled out and then hit him right at the right at the pylon. Good catch, great throw. Uh, and then those three, Emekag Buka, Marvin Harrison Jr. with that stretch Armstrong catch, <laughs> followed by Emekag Buka, a little, little basically a little out and up into the left corner of the end zone. That ball was perfectly perfect. Thrown. And perfect then the throw. Julian Fleming throw. Those are all Heisman-esque, yeah. kind of like plays by the quarterback and the receivers. And, uh, you know, but you're right. I mean, it was just, it's funny, Ohio State, I mean, scores 54 points and we're still sitting here going, but, but. Well, you could have scored so many more against one of the top defenses in the country. Here's my biggest, here's my biggest butt, Tim. All right. You have the ball I'm not gonna on touch the. That line. I, I hope you don't. Uh, on the, I think it was the fourth field goal drive, Tim. Drive, if you want to call it that, because all of them started, like I said, nearly, nearly in yeah. the red area. Ohio State should have had a touchdown, and C.J. Stroud had a wide open Marvin Harrison Jr. Yep. after a beautiful route. Who he started on the in cut and then pivoted and came out. He was wide open, and C.J. Stroud simply missed him. And at that point, oh my goodness, and. That is as wide open as 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 you're going to see. It was more wide open than even uh, Mitch Rossi was on his touchdown. Again, man. What else am I supposed to do, Tim? We've got to have a show here. Here's the point. That's a throw he has to make against better teams. If Marvin Harrison Jr. is open, if he does it, you still play the next play. I mean, you know. I mean, it's like sometimes guys throw a bad ball. Sometimes, you know what I mean. It's uh, I don't. I'm sorry, man. No, I just, you know, that's the kind of thing where, again, you know, you, 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 we don't rate this team on can it win the Big Ten. You rate it against can it win a national championship, can it beat Georgia, and can it beat Alabama. You watched Georgia's offense this year? And, Go ahead. And against a Georgia or an Alabama, when you have a receiver that open and you have your feet aren't quite set, you still have to be able to make that throw. And I think CJ Stroud can make that throw. But that's getting three when you should be getting seven. And I understand that that is nitpicking. But yeah. I am in charge of reading our comments. I read our message board, oh, and I talk boy. to and I talk to fans. And if fans are going to nitpick, and that's what they want to hear is us break down and nitpick, that's what I'm going to do. I know, but I don't like to like hang everything on. Oh my God, he missed that. I mean, you can't go back and fix that. Okay, I mean, yeah, I mean, he Absolutely. was still 20 out of 30. He had a, a so-so first half, including giving up the fumble that uh, Iowa scored its only touchdown on. Absolutely, I agree with that. But you can't go back and after he's thrown a bad ball, you can't go back and replay that play and him throw a good ball. I'm aware it's of that. It's like move on. What do they do after that? Do they finally figure out how to like just decimate, as the words you used in the offense, in the uh, headline, decimate uh, a proud Iowa defense? Yes, they did. They decimated them. Yeah. They scored 47 points against that Iowa defense. That's a damn good day. Yeah, I, I completely and agree. And they did it. They did it primarily because they, because C.J. Stroud delivered strikes. I agree. Okay, I agree. That's all. That's the only point I'm making. I I just don't like I just don't like people who see you know a pitcher you know like Tim McCarver used to do just drive me crazy. He would analyze every pitch like, oh my god, he missed the strike zone. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like that happens. Yeah, 
Yeah. And and am I getting too excited? I, well, I, 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 that stuff just drives me nuts. Though. It's I mean, just it's like people want to want to. I, mean, I got a buddy of mine that does that all the time. And it drives, you can't go back and change what happened. All you can do is be better the next time. And I thought as the game went on, Ohio State got better the next time. Yep, I completely agree. And I also listened to Ryan Day in the last two weeks talk about offensive philosophy and making sure they get seven. And on that drive, they got three. And well, I know, but it w- they had a wide open seven. And yeah, so yeah. Uh, okay. there's there's just nitpicking that can be done. You know, another thing, there were two plays in the second half. One of them it resulted in, a, in an interception that, that was a forced throw. Yeah, that, that there was. were 20 yards of green space in front of the quarterback who could have ran the ball. Yeah. You know, there are just little things that this offense was clicking on all cylinders on. And it's those little tiny things that it didn't seem to be clicking for large parts of the game. Finally, in that third and fourth quarter, they scored the four touchdowns, and then you saw, okay, back to business, they figured it out. But like- The other team practices too, like for example, on that that interception, Campbell made a great play on that. Absolutely, they got a a big call on it, yeah. Yeah, and and people were texting me, or or tweeting me and texting me and whatever, Uh, they thought the ball hit the ground. I don't know if it did or not. I, I, I couldn't tell that it did. But my point is, sometimes the other team just makes a play too, you know. Yeah, I'm not making excuses. Yeah, uh, but it is interesting that people want this Ohio State offense, especially, and C.J. Stroud to be near perfect. Yep. And that ain't, that's never going to happen against uh, big time opponents. Just like the way Ohio State's defense got after Iowa. I mean, you're. I don't know how to explain my frustration here with hearing those kind of things because it just drives me nuts because after a play has happened, you can learn from it. Did you learn from it? Yes. It looks like C.J. Stroud learned from it. Did C.J. Stroud, has he been guilty a few times this year of letting his eyes take a take a defender, take defenders to where he's throwing the ball? Yes, he has been. Is he like that every play? Absolutely not. No, not at all. It's not like that. But on those particular plays, it's, it's funny what people seize on instead of looking at Overall, what what a what a great performance, especially in the second half. If you take that one interception away, yeah. At one point, he was nine of nine, I think, for 179 yards and three touchdowns there in the second half. It was a masterclass on how to throw the football. Um, were those people the same people texting you and tweeting you and going, "Wow, that looked great"? They were. Nah, they were. I doubt it. They were. I doubt it's the same people. Because when you're beating a team like you beat Iowa, and when Iowa's offense is that inept you start to you really start to get in and nitpick which is what ryan day does which is what the ohio state coaching staff does and to to not demand perfection but to want to see this team be great because it can be great uh you know it was great in the second half against iowa there were some some issues there in the first half it's worth a discussion tim at least i'm glad we're having this discussion it's it's two different different sides of the same coin after ohio state 54 iowa 10. well let me just say this uh do I see Ohio State slipping into some problems? Uh, I take every game and judge it differently. I mean, I'm looking at that Iowa defense and how well-schooled it is and how Ohio State ended up, like I said, scoring 47 of them eventually. Yep. Eventually finding a way to just rip them up. I think that's a, in, in total, in final analysis, that is a very good Ohio State performance. I gave Ohio State like an A- minus uh, on television the other night for the overall performance. Can't give them an A because of the turnover that caused it. They gave, gave Iowa its only touchdown, the interception that CJ threw. Other than that, 
you take this away, you take this away. Well, Ohio State can, can beat you uh, on the backside of that. Yep. I mean, there aren't, I keep going back to this, there aren't many offenses in the country that have an A, B, and C, and D plan to go to. This offense does. Is Ryan Day looking for excellence and perfection to the most part? Yeah, he probably is. But what, it, what he's ruminating on, what he would be ruminating on is some just functional uh, things that happened that kept them from getting there, which you can correct. But I think overall, he's still probably pleased with a, with a 47-point performance. And that included four field goals. And like you said, you take one of those field goals and turn it into a touchdown. Absolutely. We're talking about them scoring 60 against <laughs> Iowa. Yeah, absolutely. And and they should have had 60. But that's neither oh, here nor yeah, there. Right. They, yeah. Uh, so – Let's, let's move on here, Tim. Uh, this is the Monday after show of Iowa. We're going to take a very, very quick look ahead at Penn State, who uh, destroyed a uh, injured, is the right word, I think, yeah. Minnesota team. Um, Tanner Morgan. I don't, I don't know if he even made the trip. Yeah, that, that Minnesota roster look, is like a mash unit right now, too. Yeah. It, it's, they, they can't stay healthy. Chris Altman Bell's out for the year. Uh, Mohamed Ibrahim's been out. Uh, they've started a backup quarterback in the whiteout. But whatever you want to make of the Minnesota team that we don't we don't have to worry about because they're not going to be in the Big Ten title game. Uh, Penn State is on the schedule next, and it did that team did look like a different team than what we saw in the Big House two weeks ago. Two completely different circumstances in the Big House versus in Happy Valley at night for the whiteout. But forty-five points on a proud Minnesota defense. Uh, gives you some thought about the Ohio State defense versus this Penn State offense. And then Penn State's defense against this Ohio State running game, because we know that Ohio State can throw the ball on relatively anybody. But I think there are some really intriguing matchups that we're going to dive into Tuesday through Saturday as we build up to Ohio State, Penn State, and Happy Valley Saturday at noon. Oh, is that a question? (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah, Joey Porter versus Marvin Harrison Jr. Sign me up. Who wouldn't pay money to watch that? Yeah, but the the, the you know, and, and I've got Dave Jones from uh, PennLive.com, one of my longtime friends, known him for forty years, uh, who's been covering Penn State football for for three and a half decades. After growing up here, selling cokes in this stadium back in the the early seventies, uh, but I've got him on. We, we talked about that very thing. Would the real Penn State please please stand up? Uh, Michigan's pretty damn good. Yeah. Okay, I'll make that statement. I agree. Again. I agree. Again. Uh, number two, uh, Penn State's hard to figure out just because they've been a little inconsistent offensively in my mind. Defensively, they are what you just said. They're vulnerable to the run, but they've got a secondary that's pretty, you know, you could put on almost any team and feel pretty good about it. Yes. Um, Manny Diaz uh, – has tried to do tried to fill in for the fact that they're not that stout up front like they have been, you know, traditionally at Penn State by doing pulling tricks, et cetera, like that. We'll get into that later as the uh, later in the week as it goes on. But what uh, Penn State just looks like that third or fourth best team in the Big Ten East is what it looks like. I would say third. And, yeah, but you know, uh, it's it's just an interesting team. I think Maryland's pretty good, by the way. Uh, but uh, but yeah. That third or fourth best team, they're just lacking in a couple of places, both offensively. It's not as great an offensive line as, you're, as you've been accustomed to from Penn State in the in the past. Uh, Sean Clifford's been there for 30 years as a quarterback. Uh, he's 
they've had some consistency problems with him, mainly because of that offensive line. Right on down the line, there are these little things you can nitpick <laughs> about yeah. Penn State that are very legitimate. Uh, but it's going to be in Happy Valley. It's not a whiteout game for the first time in what two decades almost. It's a stripe out though. Yeah, it's a stripe out. Whatever wow. that's worth. That's 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 cringeworthy, right? But uh, it, I don't know. It's just it, it's this is what's interesting because while you were talking a while ago and we were talking about the Ohio State offense and defense from the game, every every game in the Big Ten seems to be a different kind of test for yeah. a team. I mean, I mean, every team is playing a little bit differently uh, from the team he played before, the team he played the week before, and it's to me, it's it's a curious collection of teams. I mean, the Big Ten West is a, I was going to say dumpster fire, but more like a prairie fire. <laughs> I mean, what's going on in the Big Ten West right now is crazy, and then in the Big Ten East, uh, it's kind of the same. It's kind of the same of last year. You've got this big collision coming at the end of the regular season, if you can just get past these landmines, which is a trip to Happy Valley. Ohio State's favored by what, 17 or 15, 15. As, we stand here, as we stand here right now. Two touchdowns. Yeah, two touchdowns. That's a lot. But is that going to satisfy all these nitpicker fans if Ohio State wins by two touchdowns instead of four? You know what I mean? So I think the curious thing is how on, how on Ohio State is expected to be from one week to the next against differing, differing opponents and how, I don't know, dominating you want them to look when, in fact, they're only a 15-point favorite. Yeah. You know, I think that's what's the most curious thing right now is can Ohio State go in there and just play its game regardless of the opponent, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Because it's going to be tougher throwing the ball, you would think, going in against Penn State than it was even against Iowa, which I think Iowa's a damn good defense. But will Ohio State be able to run it just like Michigan did, blow Penn State's defensive front out of the way? And run the ball with Trevion Henderson, and Mike Williams. Uh, you know, Mike Williams was on a pitch count the other night uh, or the other day here. Uh, will they be able to get those guys on track? Is uh, I think the biggest question going into this one. Yeah, the three-week stretch, Tim. You said it, they go against different teams. The three-week stretch is a terrible offense mixed with a good defense. One of the great half teams I've ever seen in college football. Uh, yeah, it's then crazy. a Penn State team that is good enough on both sides of the ball to get to eight and four, nine and three, but doesn't get where they wanted to be. Yeah. And then a Northwestern team that, in my opinion, is going to go one and eleven with one win in Ireland and no wins in the United States. Yeah, so they blew a game the other you, day. Yeah. You're going against very different styles every week across this conference. The next challenge happens at Happy Valley. Actually, that's crazy because Tim will be there. Yeah. I will be there. Matt Parker will be there. We'll be the happy. We'll be happy. We'll be in the valley. That's what they say. Uh, but for now, we're still dissecting and and discussing. It was a good discussion. Uh, Ohio State 54, Iowa 10 after. Uh, a fun Saturday, maybe for Ohio State in the horseshoe. Yeah, it was, it was surely fun for Ohio I State. Want to in the apologize though. I, I got it. I got pretty exercised a while ago, but that, I'm just like, I've never been a, I've never been for the most part a guy that looks back too much. I mean, I mean, did you win? Yeah, 54 to 10. Are things you can fix? Hell yeah. Yeah. Every game, there's game. There's things you can fix. I mean, University of Tennessee beat UT Martin. University of Tennessee Martin on uh, over the weekend. And there are things they did wrong in it. You know what I mean? I mean, without a doubt. But I don't. I don't get exercised about those kind of things unless they're just glaring problems. And the fact that Ohio State couldn't quite get its running game going against an Iowa defense, which was bound and determined to stop it, and had some great gambits going on up front to do that. But then you couple that with the short field aspect of things. You know, did 
we didn't really see the full complement of Ohio State's offense on Saturday, I guess is, is what I'm trying to, to get to. And uh, But I'm not exercised by it when you score 47 on the team that's used to giving up like 14 or 15. Well, it's all conversations worth having, Tim. That's why we do this on Mondays. It's one of my favorite parts of the week, just to be able to dive back in and dissect. Uh, that's what, just what we did here after Can Ohio State. Can we talk State. about golf? That's a different show for a different time, Tim. Maybe even a different season. It is going to be nice today on Monday, 77, but uh, starting to get back into the 60s and 50s here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, November should be fun for us, Tim, though. Yes. Ohio State undefeated, uh, number two in the country on a collision course with Michigan right here in this building, uh, you know, really close to a month from now. Uh, we'll be there, and we'll be in Happy Valley on Saturday, but this was the morning after Ohio State 54, Iowa 10. That's Tim May, the 40-year vet. I'm Spencer Holbrook. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Come check us out on the Letterman Lounge message board. Been really active lately. Uh, you can do all that for a dollar, for just for uh, just one dollar for an entire year. Easy for me to say. Uh, come check us out. That's a lot of fun. Hit the bell below this video. Again, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to the Monday after Ohio State and Iowa. We'll see you guys back in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center on Tuesday for Ryan Day's press conference and a full breakdown of all of it to come. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope NY or text Hope NY in New York. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.